I'm Brooke, I'm the pregnant one. The, the two week, yeah, I'm gonna have a baby in the next two weeks pregnant one, yeah. Um, so I would love to just ask a favor of you. Can we just give each other some energy? We need to share energy in the room. There's a lot of us, I need some feedback, some encouragement, so will you stay awake with me? <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I am, I'm thrilled to be here, and it's miraculous that I'm standing here because, one, I didn't go into labor last night, which is an answer to prayer. But also, um, I, I wasn't really planning on sharing this, but in the spirit of going deeper with Jesus in community, that's what we're doing, and we want to invite you into this thing that we're experiencing, right? Um, the other reason it's miraculous that I'm standing here is because... Uh, up until nine months ago, I had never preached pregnant. And um, it was actually this big fear that I had. Um, I, my husband and I have lost three babies to miscarriage. One before our son, August. One before our daughter, Clara. And one before this baby. And all three of our losses were on weekends that I was teaching the word of God. And I, during my pregnancy with my daughter, I, um, I made this connection. It was like I, I had this realization that that was the timing of the first two losses. And there was this fear that just overcame me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm never going to do that again. Like, I don't want to preach again if I'm opening myself up, whether it's my body can't handle it or it's spiritual attack. Like, forget it. I'm just not going to go there. And so I didn't preach, teach, encourage, whatever, you know, my ministry to women is. I didn't, get, I didn't do that at all um, during my pregnancy with my daughter. And then I found out I was pregnant with this precious boy about nine months ago. And I looked at my calendar and I thought, I have so many opportunities on the calendar already to encourage women this year, to speak to women, to teach the word of God to women this year what am I going to do? And a friend of mine led me in prayer. Um, very, a very similar just experience that you all had last night, led by Britt, which was just so beautiful and unique. Um, and in this time of prayer with the Lord, I was sitting, I just like had this picture in my mind. I was sitting at the table with God. And I felt like he said to me, and I was scheduled to teach that week. And I felt like he said to me as I was just in prayer with him, um, here, let me hold the baby while you teach. And it was like, you know, like when you spill something and someone's like, oh, let me hold the baby really quick. Like it was that casual. It wasn't like, I'll carry the, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was just like, let me hold the baby really quick while you do this. And I felt like it was an invitation into freedom. I really did. I felt like the Lord was saying like, go do it. Just stop being afraid. Just go. And I, and I did. And so I did it once. And then I came up here. I did Hume, if you were with us for the spring retreats, which was just such a powerful experience. And, um, and all year long, the Lord has showed me how to lay down my fear and just surrender to say, Lord, I want to do what you have for me. If you've called me to this, I want to say yes, because your plan is so much bigger than I understand. 
because I want to be a part of your work. It's so good, I don't want to miss it. And I'm not going to get stuck in my head because the reality is, you know, I think like I have control. Like, oh, if I don't do it, then I'm safe and the baby's safe. But the, that's a lie because I'm not in control anyway, right? So I'm just going to lay it down. I'm going to surrender myself. And by the power of your spirit, I'm just going to, by faith, trust that you are going to carry me, that you're going to protect this child. And I'm just going to go forward in faith because I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so I have been able to preach and teach and encourage or whatever you want to call it all year long up until literally couldn't be more fitting the week that this baby is coming, which is so cool. And so today what we're going to talk about is this very thing, the idea of the Lord giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit in order to empower us and enable us to do the work of God. So we're going to read Acts chapter 2 together. If you have your Bibles, turn there, and I'm going to open in a word of prayer. Whew, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that is such a big gift and blessing. We don't even, we can't even begin to fathom what we have in you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning to see how your spirit might move in us personally as women sitting here at Hume Lake in order that we might be used for your glory, for your glory, period, for your work. Because I just, I got to believe there's a lot of women in here longing for purpose. What am I really doing? What is what is my life? And you have one. And you say, come join me in my work. You do not want to miss it. It's so good. Reveal to us your truth through your word. Amen. Acts chapter 2. It begins with this. When the day of Pentecost had come, what is Pentecost? We like think of this word Pentecost. Most of you are probably like Pentecost, Holy Spirit. Pentecost is actually a feast that they were celebrating. God's people were celebrating. The Israelites were celebrating the 50th day of the feast. They're gathered all together for this celebration. And verse 2, suddenly... A noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves. And a tongue rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Okay, let's stop there. So first, what's happening in this moment? There is a sound, like a rushing wind. And so imagine, this is the people of God. So I picture that there's just a couple people in there, like, who know 
the scriptures, the words so well that they're already like thinking back to Ezekiel when the spirit of God was in the wind, right? Could, could this be the spirit of God? That sound that we hear, could it be the spirit of God? And then they see the fire with their eyes. So they're hearing the sound of the wind. They're seeing the fire with their eyes. And throughout the entire Old Testament, if you know the Old Testament, the fire is associated with the presence of God, right? Think about Exodus, how God leads his people through the wilderness. It's through the fire. It's through the pillar of fire that is his presence. But the difference here in this moment is that God is actually like, dividing up the fire. So I just want you to picture the visual because this is really significant. I don't know if God could have more clearly illustrated the fact that he's actually like giving pieces of his presence to each person than to divide up the symbol that is his presence. Isn't that a wild thought and picture to have in your mind of, so they're hearing it, they're seeing like, okay, we know this to be presence of God and he's literally distributing it among the people. Visually, they're watching this, okay? This is very clear. And then they begin to speak out in these other languages, and that is, this is one of my favorite parts of the miracle, of the story of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes because it's external evidence of God doing something in them internally. That's what it is. God gave them something And it's like immediately something on the outside is changed. And it makes me think, you know, how often we feel the Holy Spirit or we sense transformation in us, but it takes so darn long to see the fruit sometimes, you know? It's like, I know God's doing something in me, but I just don't see it in my life. And it's like all of the the power in, in this experience is compressed, and it's all happening like immediately. They receive the Holy Spirit, and then they're... There's external evidence of something that God has done inside of them. And so then they begin to speak out in these other languages. And what are they speaking about? Look at verse 11. They begin speaking about the mighty deeds of God. That's what's coming out of their mouth, the mighty deeds of God. They can't even help it. And Peter does the same thing. He follows. Next, he gives one of the most famous, beautiful, powerful gospel presentations, testifying of the mighty deeds of God. But first he gives this disclaimer that we laugh at and kind of sometimes skip over where he says, like, just want to make sure everybody knows. And this is right here in the text. Nobody here is drunk. This, that's not what's happening here. And it's so funny. Like, you know, I think we could laugh and look at this, um, look at this like little just disclaimer that Peter gives and kind of move on. But it's significant enough what, what Peter is seeing for him to address it, right? And it, for, for it to be in the Word of God, in the, the Acts story of the Holy Spirit coming. And so it makes me wonder, like, what were they doing that, like, that Peter had to say that, right? And they were, I just want you to imagine a room full of people that you think are drunk, what they look like. Like, they had to be so uninhibited and just free and, like, acting a fool that it was just nut. Like, they had to be cr- look crazy. And so there's these people that are just, like, looking crazy. And Peter's like, I just want you to know these people are not crazy. 
This is the Holy Spirit. And so actually, I want us to identify what we're seeing here. Remember I said it's like a compressed version of like it's all happening once. The Holy Spirit comes and this overwhelming sense of freedom comes upon the people. We can't miss that because that's what Peter's pointing out right here. Okay, so Peter's begins to testify himself. Verse 22, he says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, and I'm going to paraphrase because this, I, I love this part. It's so good, and I've read it so many times. You can read it in your Bible if you want. But basically what Peter's saying, like, you know Jesus? Yeah. Jesus, the guy who did the wonders, the miracles, the signs, you know that guy? The guy that you nailed to the cross? That Jesus who God raised from the dead because it says, oh, so good. The cords of death could not hold him down. Peter's saying this. That Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. The Father gave him authority to give us the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happening. That's what you're seeing in the fire. That's what you're hearing in the sound of the rushing wind is Jesus sitting with the Father, giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter's testifying to, the mighty deeds of God. In verse 33, he says, let the house of Israel, because remember who he's talking to, the house of Israel, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So here's what, here's what we see, is that Peter is just going off. The people are going off. They're so excited. And if you look at the book of Acts, if you have never studied it before, it's like so exciting. You're like, woo, should I be reading this? It's so good. What's happening in the book of Acts, if you look, watch for this next time you read it, is that when the Holy Spirit comes, people immediately begin, start, begin to start proclaiming the gospel. When the Holy Spirit comes, they cannot help but testify to the mighty deeds of God. It's like it just, it's like connected. It's a chain reaction. Filled with the Holy Spirit, boom, I'm a crazy person now and I'm just talking about the mighty deeds of God and I can't help it because that's what the Holy Spirit does in us, is leads us to testify about the mighty deeds of God. And so sometimes I think we get stuck because for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit, the idea of the Holy Spirit is, is just weird, right? <laughs> we, we don't really know what to do with um, the idea of, like, how does actually the Holy Spirit play a part in my life? Like, I don't really, it feels kind of nebulous and mysterious and strange. And a lot of us, I think, even me, I have, have thought of the Holy Spirit as, like, the guy, the part of the Trinity that does all the miracles, right? I mean, have you thought that before? Like, oh, the Holy Spirit does the miracles. That's the, that's the connection here. And what we see in the book of Acts, and what I want us to stop and actually think about is why did God the Father and Jesus give us the power of the Holy Spirit? What was the purpose of the power? What was the purpose of the power? It's so that we, as the people of God, might continue the work of God. Right? So think about this with me. Stay with me here. A sign 
Think about even the word sign. It points to something, right? It's not the end all. You don't stay on that. The miracle, the wonder, that is beautiful and powerful, but it's meant to point us to the Father, to the work of the Father. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is meant to lead people to the feet of Jesus. That's the point. And so sometimes I think we get stuck thinking like, oh man, the Holy Spirit moving looks like this miraculous healing. But don't forget, dot, 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 to lead people to the feet of Jesus. It points us to, and so if we have the power of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the power is to lead us to continue in the work of God as the church and the people of God, then what is the work of God? You know it. You know, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible that m- many, many of you know by heart, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the work of God. What did Jesus say he came to do? To seek and save the lost. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, right? And so if we are continuing in that work, participating in that work, I think the takeaway for me is that we're not continuing in our own work. We're partnering with him in his work. And that looks like us letting go. Another one of the most famous passages in the Bible trusting in the Lord with all our heart and leaning out on our own understanding, right? Saying, okay, I'm with you. I'm coming alongside of you instead of thinking about God coming alongside of us. Whoa. And that's freeing in a way, which is what the people got when they got the Holy Spirit was freedom, right? It's freeing when we say, okay, the life that I envision for myself or for my kids, that's not what, what I want to live for. I'm, li- I'm going to lay that at your feet, actually, so that I can be a part of the life that you have for me. I'm going to surrender so that I can do the work that you've laid out, so that I can follow the path that you've set before me. That's the work that I want to be a part of. Huh. And then imagine the feeling of relief as you let go of the outcomes because you trust the one who knows it all. I'm going to share a quick story about how this looked (laughs) for me one of the times. (laughs) Um, About a year and a half ago, um, a girlfriend that I went to kindergarten with, I've known her that long, Um, she was in our community and she moved out of state with her husband, was pregnant with her first baby, two weeks away from the due date of their son, and I get a text. She said, at my 38-week appointment with the doctor, and um, she couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. Something happened. And it was like, man, 38 weeks carrying this child like full term. And she said, they're admitting me to the hospital to deliver our son. I need you to pray for me. And it's like, what, 
what do you even pray for? Like, I don't, it was just this moment of like total brokenness because you were just overjoyed for this couple, for my friend, you know. And um, like within minutes, it was like our church mobilized. We had this prayer chain thing going that was like every minute of every day, this family was going to be covered in prayer. It was like literally minutes that it was full. And people are just led to pray however they want to pray, you know, over this family for comfort, for a miracle that the doctor was wrong or that God would just bring breath back into the baby's lungs before he's born. I mean, it was like, it was just people praying in faith and I've never seen anything like it before. I don't know if I've ever prayed like this before. I remember like being on the floor on my knees with my husband and we're just weeping and begging the Lord. And I took my son to swimming lessons that day, and I remember just weeping in the car and praying. I'm like, should I pull it together for my kid? No, I can't. I, well, first of all, I couldn't, but I, I just, I wanted to invite him into it. So I start to explain, like, what we're praying for, what's happening. And we pick him up, take him, you know, back home. We sit down at the lunch table. My husband had been working from home that day. And I will not forget this moment. My husband is, is joining us for lunch. You know, I'm sitting at the table, my two-and-a-half-year-old son and my six-month-old daughter, and we're eating dino nuggets. I know I'm the best wife ever. <laughs> and we're sitting at the table eating dino nuggets, and, um, and my son August says, Mom, what happened to baby Ford? They had named him Ford. And I said, I don't know, honey. I don't know what happened to Ford. But he died in, in Jordan's tummy. And he said, that's really sad. I'm like, yeah, that's, that is really sad, honey. And he said, well, what are, you, what are you and Daddy praying for? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this to you. We're praying for a miracle. I'm like, you know God who raised Jesus from the dead? And Jesus raised people from the dead. I believe that God has like all power and authority over life and death. I believe that. And so we're just, we're asking God for a miracle because he says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And so I'm going to pray for a miracle. And I, I feel so vulnerable praying that even. Because it's like you're setting yourself up. Like I just... It was like totally an act of faith. And, and my son looks at me and he said, Mom, I want to pray for a miracle for baby Ford too. And I said, you can, honey, you can pray. And he goes, I want to pray with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay. He said, how do I get the Holy Spirit? <laughs> it's two and a half. I'm like, you got to give your whole life to Jesus. It's not your life anymore. It's his. And he goes, I'm ready to do that right now. <laughs> I'm like mid-dino nugget bite. And I'm struggling because in this moment, I'm thinking like, he has no idea what he's talking about. Like, he's two and a half. Is he even going to remember this? And on the other hand, I'm thinking like, does anybody know what they're really thinking when they give their life to Jesus? I don't know. Sometimes we do it, and then we're years later, like, whoa, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. 
And so in this moment, on this day, at the lunch table, May 4th, 2021, my son, August, tells the Lord that he wants to give his life to Jesus and that he wants to receive the Holy Spirit, which is just such a beautiful, powerful moment in in the midst of just like utter sadness and brokenness, you know? It's like the perfect picture of just like joy and, oh, anyway, so... We put our kids to bed that night. I get a text after they've gone to bed. Uh, Ford was born, 5.05. There was no breath in his lungs. There was no heartbeat in his body. And the first person I called was Britt, who led you in that beautiful prayer. Britt, who didn't even know my friend Jordan, but who had been just like praying with fervor for this child with me. And I called Britt, and I was like, I am just broken. I don't understand. I'm weeping on the phone to her. And I'm like, I really believed that God was going to do this miracle. Like, I really believed it. And I don't understand why we don't, we didn't see it. We didn't see the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense. Like, if this stuff is true and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, like, why aren't we seeing the miracles? What is the, what, where's the disconnect? And she was like, this is what she said to me. This is what you said to me. You said, Brooke, I am so broken. I wanted baby Ford to live. I wanted the doctor to be wrong. There to be breath in his lungs and heart beat in his chest. You said, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit was moving. And you can't miss that. The Holy Spirit was moving when he gave resurrection life to your son. The Holy Spirit was moving when he moved in your son to give his life to Jesus for the very first time. That was the power of the Holy Spirit too. And I know we wanted to see this baby brought back to life and it's unfair and it doesn't make sense. But don't miss what he did do. And sometimes I think that what we, this picture that we have of the Holy Spirit is like we have this idea of what we want and what we're praying for and what the miraculous looks like and we're so tied to it because it's our plan and our will and when we don't see it come to fruition, we're like, God wasn't there. The Holy Spirit didn't show up. But the reality is the truth says that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You do, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I think our problem is not that we need more of the Holy Spirit. We already have him. I think our problem is that we need to give the Holy Spirit more of us. That we need to say yes to his leading. To surrender our lives in order to be transformed by him, in order that we can be used for his work and not our work. How can I be a part of what you are doing? Because the revival that we see in Acts chapter 2, what Pentecost is, and we didn't even get into all the good stuff. That was just the very, very tip of the iceberg, hopefully to get you excited to go read it later. What happens is Peter preaches this amazing sermon and then people are 
begin to be transformed and changed. And the church just experiences revival. I mean, it's like the, some people call it the birthday of the church because it's like just wild how beautiful and exciting and people start giving and taking care of each other. And it's this powerful revival moment. But here's the thing. The revival in Acts chapter 2 is not all of these random new people showing up, hearing about God and receiving Christ for the first time. The revival in Acts chapter 2 is the people of God who are already present experiencing transformation in their own hearts and lives and then bearing witness to the mighty deeds of God. The revival is when the transformation happens in people's own hearts and lives who are already the people of God. Think about it. He says men of Israel, right? Who is he talking to? That's who is experiencing revival and transformation. And so it makes me wonder, like, man, what if we just look around this room and think and ask the question, what if the greatest work of the Holy Spirit, the, the power of the Holy Spirit moving, what if that looks like you and 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 you experiencing transformation in your own heart right now, this weekend, sitting in this seat this morning here at Hume? Like, what if that's what God wants to do in order that your life might be changed, that your heart might be changed, in order that you can be used for his work. Believing in who God says you are, trusting the promises that he has already given you, standing in power and faith, and then bearing witness to the mighty deeds of God. Man, we live in this world where People are really closed off to religion, especially Christianity, it feels like. But they will listen to your story. They will. And you can't hide your story. Because Acts chapter 2 shows us that when we experience transformation by the Holy Spirit in our own lives, we become crazy people, right? <laughs> and we just start telling it to everybody because it's so good and we can't stop because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so I believe that what the Holy Spirit moving in us, what doing life with, I'm the word with, him looks like is us surrendering and inviting the Holy Spirit into our daily lives in order that we're not going to look outside, we're not going to look elsewhere, we're not going to look at other people for this grand miracle or this miraculous moment. We're saying, no, 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 Lord, do it now in me. That's what I want. Not tomorrow, let's do it today. Let's just do it right now. And let's just be the women who are testifying and experiencing, and there is power in our testimony. And so I am so excited because one of my very best friends has had a horrible, just traumatic year. And she's going to get up here. Come on up here. And she's going to share testimony with you of how the Holy Spirit is moving and working in her own life. And here's the beautiful thing about it. She is, hates me for bringing her up here. So this is what happened. Come here, Abby. I told, uh, you know, the Hume staff, like, I'm bringing a guest. It's, it's this friend. I gave her her name and everything. And she does not like, to come she had not agreed to come. She does not like to be in front of people. She does not want to speak. She does not want to share. And I'm like, the Lord is going to use her testimony in a powerful way. So she's coming. She's on the list. And then like two days ago, I was like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? 
<laughs> and she was like, I'm not coming to Hume. <laughs> and so here she is. So. <laughs> All right, Abby, let's hear what the Holy Spirit's doing to she, you. She said, uh, you know I'm going to need you to share that testimony, right? <laughs> and I said, no. Uh, um, <laughs> that was such a good message. Thank you. Uh, I'm Abby. And um, hi. <laughs> uh, this past May, so only a few months ago, um, I was sitting down at my kitchen table doing normal things and had an immense panic attack. Um, I was by myself in my house with my, uh, two of my daughters and uh, I'd never experienced anything like this before. Um, I was immediately overcome with doom and worry and fear and anxiety and I could feel it everywhere. Um, over the next several weeks, I started having one to two panic attacks a day. My body couldn't calm down. Um, and then between the panic attacks, it would be intermittent bouts of major depression and extreme anxiety. Um, it affected my whole body. My hands and feet were clammy for six weeks straight, about. Um, I couldn't see normally. I would wake up in the middle of the night drenched in sweat, um, lights and sounds were brighter, more distracting, and louder to me. Um, I couldn't even be in the same room as my kids when they were melting down because the volume of it would send my body into um, a panic. I couldn't be still long enough to even read them a bedtime story because the minute that I slowed down or sat down, my body would tell me that I was in danger and I needed to run. Um, I spent pretty much all day either going for walks or pacing around my house. Kind of like a crazy person, I felt like. <laughs> um, I knew that I needed to eat, but I couldn't. Um, I developed social anxiety to the point of even seeing my best friends. Um, I would start panicking. Um, I stopped driving entirely. Um, and the doctor had to put me on enough sleeping medication that probably would have put a tiger to sleep. Um, I was not sleeping at all. Um, this was not me and who I was, and I knew it, because a few weeks prior, I was fun, full of energy, extroverted. I had an immense love for my family and friends. I could feel intimacy. And I lived this way, this new way, for months, thinking it was never going to end. My incredible life was being stolen right from out of my feet, and I had absolutely no idea how to get it back. Um, it felt like hell on earth. Um, I had no idea that this was anxiety. I had no idea how to manage it, and the monster just kept growing and growing until I let it pretty much rule my whole life because I couldn't do anything. I was afraid of what was going to trigger me into these panic attacks, and I felt completely out of control of my whole body. I used to think before this that people who experienced anxiety were perhaps a bit more nervous than the rest of us. But I, um, I had no idea how crippling it could truly be. 
to be overcome with constant fear and worry. Um, I knew the moment that I had laughed last and it was getting farther and farther behind me. So during this time, I was trying everything to um, help myself. I was going to therapy, meeting with people that um, I looked up to. I was praying, I was trying medication, and all the while I was constantly praying um, that God would save me from this darkness. Um, one day as I was begging for healing, I felt him say to me, I've already won this battle. Go walk in my freedom. And I said back, as a normal human, okay, well, heal me, and then I will. And um, I felt it again. He said, no, 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 no. You are healed. Go walk in my freedom. The battle has already been won. And it took me a few weeks to fully even begin to understand the power of what he was calling me to do. Um, I've learned now that I developed these habits of worry and anxiety because I thought they were keeping me safe. I thought that if I worried, I was prepared, I wouldn't be caught off guard, and I would be safe, relying all on myself. But God was asking me to lay down my what-if thinking and my catastrophic worries and my negative self-talk at his feet. I never knew that I didn't have to entertain these, um, these worries. I, I never knew that these worries were actually mental temptations of the enemy trying to control me. I thought they were my own thoughts because I'd been living with them my whole life. So rejecting these thoughts... It didn't mean that these feelings were going to magically go away. But what it looked like was getting in the habit of depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, building the muscle that Allison was talking about last night. It looked like me saying, God, I'm feeling scared right now. My body's telling me that I'm in danger. I give you this. I reject the fear of the enemy that he's trying to tempt me with. Give me the strength to live in your freedom. What do you want to show me right now? That's good. I'm learning that this ability to redirect my attention and focus on the Lord, focus on the truth, is a beautiful and vital part of the free will that he's given us mm -hmm. to choose him. I would recite 2 Timothy 1.7 to myself over and over. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Believing that whatever came, he would help me through it. Believing that he truly is everything good. And when I partner with him, I'm partnering with love and joy and peace. Whether I feel it or not, that's the faith part. And this is how I'm learning to walk in the faith of the spirit. As I started to drive again, um, I would literally get in the driver's seat and quote Psalm 34 to myself, out loud, <laughs> by myself. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. And then I would quote 
the great philosopher Carrie Underwood and, <laughs> and out loud say to myself and to the Lord, Jesus, take the wheel because I'm not confident in my abilities right now. <laughs> um, I was beginning to realize that all my life I thought I was the one in control. I thought I was keeping me safe. But I never was, and I was being brought to a place that I had no choice but to relinquish it all to God and to depend on him. Mm -hmm. One day I was spending time with God, and I read um, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, and one small sentence at the very end of a section rocked my world. It said, but you have the mind of Christ. Me. I do, Abby, I, through the Holy Spirit, have the mind of Christ. Which I think we could all take a deep breath and like meditate on that for a minute. Um, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And what, what does that mean? Um, and so I started asking God, like, what does that mean? I have the mind of Christ. And... There was a day in July, I was helping my oldest daughter make a bracelet, and all of a sudden, a thought crept in. Um, your kids deserve so much better than what you can give them right now. I immediately felt horrible about myself. I felt sorry for my kids, and I detected, I know that thought. Mm -hmm. That is a temptation of the enemy. That is not the truth. I had a choice in that moment to believe this temptation mm -hmm. that the enemy was giving me or tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, access the mind of Christ and say, God, remind me what you say that I yeah. am again. That's so good. Yeah. And he said, no, no, no. He reminded me, I am their mother. I am exactly what they need right now in all of my mess, I am a daughter of the king. Yeah. I refuse to acknowledge the temptation that I'm not enough. I am enough through him. Yeah. I redirected my attention, kept making the bracelet, and it was gonna be his power over the lies, and that is how I was gonna move forward. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I promise I'm almost done. <laughs> um, over the next several weeks, things got more habitual, and I began to detect these mental temptations quicker. Our minds is where the enemy likes to play. That's, that's the battlefield. And when I can come to him and say, God, I'm insecure that I choose your truth about who I am, over and over again, remind me who I am. And what I don't want the take-home message to be is that I'm doing anything, that all we are called to do is just take it to him. That's it. Yeah, that's good. Because it's not about me. It's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the part that we have that access yeah. to talk to him yeah. and to hear from him. We get the opportunity to hear what he has to say through scriptures, 
and small voices and oftentimes our imagination. Um, what I often get back is a feeling of warmth and the voice of a loving father. And he says to me, I know you're scared. Leave it at my feet. Leave it with me. And live in the freedom I've given you. You are whole, worthy, radiant, and you're my daughter. The result has been more freeing than I could have ever imagined. All this time, I was like, I just want to get back to who I was. I just want to get back to my previous self. And God said, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> but, but I'm going to actually take you over here to where I am, and you're going to be a new being oh, so in me. That's so good. And the more I'm depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, the more I'm realizing that this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Mm. Um, up until now, I'd never been very connected to the Holy Spirit. I know Jesus, and I love the Lord, but like, what's the Holy Spirit? It's kind of a weird, ghostly thing <laughs> that you know maybe comes out at Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't understand it. Um, and now I am beginning to see and feel that this Holy Spirit is actually the most powerful and amazing gift that we have the opportunity to receive and, and live with. And the more that I experience, the more that I want to experience more of it, and the more that I want everyone else to experience it because um, oh, it's what makes this life worth living. It's so good. Amen. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Can we just, oh, I, do I need this? Can we just pray for Abby? Yeah. Father God, thank you. Thank you for what you did in my friend. Thank you for what you're doing in my friend. Daily, moment by moment. We've already had 20 conversations about this, about moments, just since we've been here, about where we're choosing to invite you in, to believe the truth that, <laughs> that you say, the things that you say about us, the voice of our loving Father. Lord, we want to be like Abby, women who are trusting in your power, who are seeing you conquer the lies and the fear in our lives. Lord, I even pray over women in this room who are feeling anxious, who feel that weight that Abby described. Lord, reveal yourself to them now. Would they have hope in this moment in your power? To overcome? Would they see light, just a glimpse of light? A way out. Gosh, you are the light, God. We just want more of you. So God, now in this moment, it would be such a miss as we're talking about the Holy Spirit and being used by the Holy Spirit for your work and your purpose, 
to just stop and ask ourselves, where are we, Lord? Where are we with you? Are we resistant? Are we open? Is there a thing that you revealed to us last night that we just can't let go of, that we're holding on to, a place in our life that maybe we just want to think that we can control? Or a picture of what our life should look like that's keeping us from trusting the life in the things that you have for us? By your power, I ask that we would be able to surrender that now. And maybe we did surrender it last night. And we need to surrender it again. Or maybe we surrendered it and we let go and we are ready to be led by you. Lord, we, we are looking for where you're leading, for what you're already doing. And as women, we are going to encourage each other and remind each other, point to where you are and what you're up to and how we can join in your work. Our lives are yours, Jesus. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.